So welcome everyone to the gathering, bringing God into everyday life. And we're going to jump into our lesson today, which is going to be about what God has to say about situations. And so I'm going to start with prayer. Lord, thank you so much for your goodness, for your love. Um, God, just how you tenderly care for us. And God, we need your wisdom. And so I just ask that, Lord, you would open our ears to hear what you have to say. And that, Lord, in these days, we would be able to be a light and bring hope to those around us. So bless this time. Speak to each heart, each listener, and help us to understand more about who you are and who you want to be for us. In Jesus' name. So several years ago, I was reading the Bible, and uh, I read this, this phrase. I was reading in the book of Isaiah, and it said, but this is what the Lord says. And, you know, I was reading along, and then I flipped over to another passage, and it said, but this is what the Lord says. And so, you know, then I was kind of like, well, that's interesting. I've read that twice you know, and, and while I'm having my coffee. And, um, and then I found another one. Well, by the time I had read that three times in just different parts of the Bible, I was like, okay, Lord, you're saying something to me. I may be a little slow. It might take me three times. You probably get it in just one hearing. But it took that. But I began to kind of research that. But this is what the Lord says. And so I want to define number in number one in your note-taking, for those of you that have the, the Bible study lesson in front of you, um, just, just something. It hit me that what the Lord was saying is, but this is what I say. They say X, Y, and Z, but this is what I have to say about that. So I want to define they say. So who is they? Well, people say, and you can write this down, society says, the devil says, you know, he can try to whisper to us, and sometimes we can believe his lies. Or you tell yourself something, you know, well, I'll never amount to anything. Oh, I'm so stupid, I'll never understand that. So that's how I'm going to define they say. When I use that phrase, that's what I'm talking about. And here's something I discovered, that when your heart and your life belongs to Jesus, we can have a higher perspective of our situation. See, the world would like to tell us to look down, you know, see the negative. And then you always have those people that bring out the negative or say the negative. Um, and too many times what I found is we can listen to popular opinion, we can listen to the voice of fear. We can listen to our own insecurities instead of listening to what God has to say. Um, and when we listen to anybody but what God says, to me, it's almost like shooting yourself in the foot. You know, you're not doing yourself any good when we don't take things and say, Lord, what do you have to say about this? Is this 
is this true or help me help me see and i think the lord loves that he loves conversation with us he loves loves for us to seek him so let's turn if you've got your bibles um the first scripture i want to reference is isaiah 41 43 verse 1 and it instructs us who to listen to it says in this passage but now this is what the lord says and I love that. But now it's like kind of like, wait a minute. This is what the Lord says. And that's a powerful statement because in any situation or circumstance, we need to stop long enough to hear and investigate what God's perspective is and what he has to say about a situation. Um, number two in your notes. So they say your life doesn't matter or you aren't good enough how many of you have ever heard that in your life or you have felt that you know that you're just insignificant no 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 god says your life matters and your story matters and when you give your heart to him he's got a call on your life he's got people he wants you to touch so let's go now to Isaiah 44, verse 2. <clears throat> and here's where I found that your life <clears throat> does matter and you are good enough. It says, this is what the Lord says. He who made you, who formed you in the womb, and who will help you. Do not be afraid, Jacob, my servant. Jeshuan, whom I have chosen. And in that passage, we see very clearly that it was you, me, all of us were God's idea. We didn't just happen because two people had sex. We are here because God formed us in our mother's womb. And it also says right here that he will help us. He will help you. And then it goes on to say, do not be afraid. Okay, there it is in the Bible. It's over and over. Scripture tells us to not be afraid. And then it says in that scripture that you are chosen. God says, I've made you. You're perfect. I've called you by name. He's saying to each and every one of us, I know you. And I see you. God sees your situation. He sees how hard it is. He sees the things that hurt your heart. He sees you. And you've been chosen. And you belong. That's what God has to say. You know, I've shared it um, with some of you before, but for much of my life... Um, you know, I didn't really feel significant, chosen, uh, didn't feel like my life was of a lot of value. I wanted to be like somebody else, and I compared myself to others, felt inferior, and really discovered I was believing a lie about myself. I had low self-esteem, and I was afraid, out, afraid to step out and try things because I had a real fear of failure. And I look back on my life and I think, man, I missed so many opportunities. 
um, because that's how I saw myself. And I really needed God's perspective. At that point in my life, I didn't think to even ask God, you know, what do you have to say? Or, or um, you know, I was in, I went to church. Um, I love the Lord, but I didn't really think to ask him about some of those things. Well, let's look at Isaiah 44, verse 24. And it says, this is what the Lord says. There it is again. Your Redeemer. We studied redemption last week. Right there, he calls us. I'm, he says, I'm your Redeemer. Who formed you in the womb. There it is again. I am the Lord, the maker of all things who stretches out the heavens and who spreads out the earth by myself. There it is again that you were formed in your mother's womb by God. He says he's the maker of all things. And let's look at Isaiah 43 verse 1. It says, here it is again, but now this is what the Lord says, he who created you, O Jacob, and who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I've summoned you by name. You are mine. You are mine. So there, there it is again. And God reminds us that he knows everything about us. He knows our potential. He knows our capability in our current circumstances. And we might feel insignificant, but we have to remember the truth of what God's Word says. All of us belong, and He claims us. So if you're sitting there and you're thinking, yeah, that's me, you need to quit wishing you were somebody else or something was different. God doesn't make mistakes. When we are fearfully and wonderfully made, can we all grow and develop? Absolutely. And that's where I think it's fun to partner with God and say, Lord, help me with this. But he said that earlier in one of these earlier passages, that I will help you. And so right now, I just want to stop and I want, um, I want you to repeat after me, I have been fearfully and wonderfully made. Everybody, let's say it. I have been fearfully and wonderfully made. Handcrafted by God, Handcrafted by God. For, special purposes. for special purposes. Okay, you may even want to write that down. I have been fearfully and wonderfully made. Handcrafted by God. For special purposes. And I'd encourage you to write that on a note card, put it somewhere where you can see it, in your car, on your bathroom mirror, wherever, to remind yourself of how God sees you and what he has for you. So number three in your note taking, they say, people, popular opinion, the media, fear, panic, and anxiety are normal. It's okay to be stressed out. That's what they say. 
But God says, do not fear. We had a lesson on freedom in life, and I also have a lesson on the podcast called Freedom from Fear. And so if that is one of your struggles, I encourage you to look that up and listen to it because I go into more detail than I'm going to go into now. But let's talk about that. Number four, and this is uh, it found in Isaiah 28, verse 16. I want you to listen to this. It says, so this is what the sovereign Lord says. There's the phrase again. So this is what the Sovereign Lord says. See, I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. The one who relies on it will never be stricken with panic. Oh, my word. There it is right there in your Bible. The one who relies on it will never be stricken with panic. So that scripture is talking about how Jesus came to be the cornerstone. And it, and it talks right there, Isaiah is prophesying about it. He's going to be a precious cornerstone, a tested cornerstone, a sure foundation. That's something we can depend on. That's something we can hang on to. That's something we can build our life on if we choose. So my question is, what are you building your life on? And are you stressed out, walking in fear, walking in panic and anxiety? Because so much of what the world tells us is, is like, that's okay, that's normal. And God has a better plan because it says the one who relies on Jesus will never be stricken with panic. You know, I read that right when COVID came out and it was, it was like a light bulb. Um, yes, there were so many unknowns when I read this scripture and so many things we didn't know that we know now, but so much of the world was just in panic mode. And when I read that, it was like the Lord saying, you don't need to walk in that fear. You don't need to be stricken with panic. If you rely on me. And so for me, I was like, Lord, show me how to navigate this. Show me how to navigate these uncharted waters. You might be telling this person to do this and this person to, but show me what you have for me. But I love that. It says when we rely on the Lord, we never have to be stricken with panic. Anxiety and panic robs us, and that's not good for us. Anxiety and panic are often rooted in insecurity. And, you know, folks, the, the reality is the only one we can ever really depend on is the Lord. He's the only one that's always there for us. He's the only one that is with us. And he loves us the most. We just have to put our trust in him. If we put it in anything else, we're going to have a false sense of security. So let's look at a story in the Bible. And I don't know, this is a story that um, I was thinking. I was actually reading this passage this week before I began to study for this lesson. And so it was kind of cool 
because I had just read it and then uh, as I, I had developed this lesson really several years ago and so I pulled it out to go over it again and I just I love reading this passage it's in 2nd Chronicles 20 verse 6 through 12 and it's a story of Jehoshaphat and Jehoshaphat to just set the the context he was looking out and he was outnumbered he saw this vast army coming against him and life was uncertain and it didn't really look good how many of you can say I'm either there now or I've been there in life yeah and then verse 6 says and I'm going to read this to you it says Lord the God of our ancestors this is Jehoshaphat talking to the Lord you are you not the God who is in heaven you rule over kingdoms of the nations power and might are in your hand and no one can withstand you he's praising God he's lifting God higher than his circumstance and then he goes on to say in verse 9 if calamity comes upon us whether the sword of judgment or the plague or famine we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and will cry out in our distress he's proclaiming what they're going to do He's saying, it doesn't look good, it could get worse, but this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to proclaim who you are, and I'm going to cry out to you. And it says, and you will hear us and save us. He put his faith and trust in the Lord. And then it says, this is the part I like, it says, for we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. You know, there are many Christians and many people that are running around that don't know that when you are facing adversity, whatever that is, it's like you almost need to just look, look up, focus, focus, get your focus right, get your focus on the Lord. It's so easy to look at the earthly things that surround us, the tragedy, the uh, devastation, um, but it's, it's in that place where we can lift our gaze and get a little bit higher perspective. All right. Um, we must see God as bigger than what comes against us or what is uncertain in our life or what is threatening us. We must see God as bigger because he's the only one we can really depend on and Isaiah 43 verse 1 it says but now this is what the Lord says there's that phrase again he who created you O Jacob he who formed you and I'm repeating the scripture O Israel fear not for I have redeemed you I have summoned you by name you are mine it's like he put his stamp and said no wait a minute this one's for me this is the one I love this is the one I adore I it's not in my heart for you to run out run around wringing your hands and walking in fear and in this scripture it's like a kind way of saying there's not an excuse for our fear and then kindly God commands us not to fear 
reminding us that he's redeemed us. Fear is tormenting, and fear has us looking at the worst. It doesn't, it has us looking at the worst. And that word, redeem, for those of you that may have missed last week's lesson, redeem means to compensate for the bad aspects of something. Redeem means an exchange. And I feel the Lord is, is instructing us in this passage to look at His ability um, and look to Him and His greatness. Even in our weakness, He has things covered for us. All right, number five in your note-taking. They say, you're on your own, you're alone, rely on yourself. But let's look at what God has to say. He tells us in Isaiah 43, 2, He gives us a promise. He says, when, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. It doesn't say if, it says when. And if we had time to go around the room, all of us could recount stories of where we're like, man, these waters were rushing fast and I didn't know what was coming and I didn't know how I was going to stand in them. But it promises us that they will not sweep over us. I think when we look to the Lord and say, Lord, my eyes are on you, just like Jehoshaphat did in the midst of the army coming against him, he declares, I know not what to do, but my eyes are on you. Let's all say that together because there's power in that. Think of a situation right now and you're like, I really don't know how to handle this the best way. I really don't know what to do. I can't tell you how many times I've used this passage and, and I just want us to repeat right now, just say, I know not what to do, but my eyes are on you. Okay, that's your takeaway for this week in the, in the Cliff Note version. But God says, and this is in number five, God says, you are not alone. Many times in our adversity and our trial, we can feel very alone, but God says we're not alone. He says it tells us that right there in that passage. And we all encounter difficult waters in life, tough situations at work, maybe with an illness, the loss of someone we love, financial trouble, marital challenges. Um, those are just a few that come to mind. But God tells us if we look to Him, and it's okay to say, I don't know what to do. But then declare, my eyes are on you. He loves it when we partner with him <clears throat> and when we lean on him. And I was thinking about uh, one time, Stephen and I were wading through water, through some water. And as I went to take a step, it was like the sediment just swung, it just was like this big swirl of sediment and I couldn't see where to take the next step and there were rocks all around and and about that time I hit a slippery spot and I started to go down and I grabbed grabbed on to Stephen to steady me and it was like the Lord was saying 
that's what you, I'm right there. I'm always there. And you may feel like you can't see where to walk. You don't know how to walk. And the, you know, the sediment is swirling around you of life. But I'm right there. I'm right there with you. So hang on to me. Hang on to me. You know, sometimes life can hit us hard and we're having to to regroup. And there have been times I thought, well, this might, I don't know, I might just go down right now. <laughs> I might drown, you know, especially when you have one thing hit you after, you know, after another um, in life. And I, I remember just, I shared a little bit in, in um, our share time, but my mom had been ill and she had been ill for um, goodness at that point she had been ill i guess seven eight years and i over oversaw that and i was balancing work and i had a family and i had doctor visits and caregivers that i was doing medications um, and the emotional loss was challenging because mom was slowly slipping away and my heart was just tethered and, and all and then in the middle of that heartache was when my late husband was diagnosed with cancer and we battled nine months and then he died and then six weeks later my dad was in the hospital and they said he has a 90% blockage and we don't know if he's going to make it and I, I thought okay this just my <laughs> dumb checking out you know this is too much it was it seemed like too much but in that weak weak place it was again putting you know lord i don't know what to do but i'm looking looking to you and god is faithful to sustain us um, life gives us circumstances and challenges that we don't want. But when you get what you don't want, when you grab a hold of the Lord, what you get is experience with Him. And that experience can make you rich. And that experience with Him and His faithfulness is so helpful. Um, too many times we just look at the mountain ahead and we feel defeated and exhausted. And we just need to take the next step. The next step. I was, um, um, this has been years ago, but there's this big hill in Kerrville. And I had been running. And I started, I, I just was praying as I was running along. And all of a sudden, I realized I was about, a third of the way up this hill. And it's a, it was a pretty big hill. I never jogged up the hill but I was so focused on just one step in front of the other and talking to the Lord about whatever was going on at that time that before I knew it I was a third of the way up and then I thought well, I don't have that much further to go I don't know that I've ever jogged this I just kept my eyes looking at the next step I needed to take and before I knew it I was up that hill I had done something I had never done before but it I did it looking at one step, just the next step I needed to take, just the next step. And I think the Lord will show you in your circumstances what the next step is you need to take. So number six in your note taking, they say, don't admit you're wrong and rest is lazy. 
If you're resting, you're being lazy. Well, let's see what God has to say. Let's read Isaiah 30, verse 15. And here's what this passage says. It says, This is what the Sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel, says. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. But you would have none of it. You know, the Lord right there is offering that in repentance, when we realize we've done wrong, and that we can turn around. We can say, Lord, I messed up. I repent. And rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. Quietness and trust. But you have a choice. I have a choice. God says... Admitting your sins are false, that keeps us safe. Just because you mess up doesn't mean you're a failure. You're never a failure unless you fail to see God's love for you. And when you realize you've done, gone against His Word, just there's that place where we can repent. Admit your sin, admit your fault. It keeps us humble when we do that. And in our quietness and trust, it gives us strength. Sometimes we just need to trust God. Sometimes he may say, we'll say something or do something. But in that quietness and just declaring, you know, our trust in the Lord, there's something settling that comes into our heart. And, you know, one of my things that um, I love to do in the mornings. I love, I'm a, I wake up slow. I get out of bed right when the alarm goes off, but I love getting my little coffee cup and just sitting there with the Lord in just the quietness and the peace in my home because it's quiet at that time and telling the Lord that I love him, but declaring, Lord, I trust you in this. Lord, I don't know what to do in this situation, but I trust you. In declaring our trust in the Lord, it can bring a settling to our hearts. But repentance and declaring our trust in the Lord can give us strength. Um, let me see on my notes here. Okay. All right, so... Number seven, they say there's no way, quit and give up. Well, let's read what Isaiah 43, 16 through 19 says. Because there are times we want to quit, we want to give up, we want to quit believing God. But Isaiah 43, 16 through 19 says, this is what the Lord says. There's that phrase again. Do y'all see how many times it's really there in the Bible? I love it. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses and the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there, never to rise again, extinguished, sniffed out like a wick, 
Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. That's seeing with God's perspective. It says, now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the desert or the wastelands. Beautiful, beautiful passage of God's promise. And he's saying, don't, he's, don't look back at all the former things. Look forward. Look forward. See that I'm doing a new thing. God wants to do a new thing. But if we are constantly looking at regret, at loss, at that this didn't turn out the way I wanted, we're going to miss what God has for us. We're going to miss the blessings. We're going to miss the precious people he puts in our life that he has for us to love. He says, I am making a way in the wilderness and a stream in the desert. Wow. And number eight, God says, here's, here's Kathleen's paraphrase. God says, just a second. I'm going to make a way for you. That's what God says to me in that passage. Okay, moving right along. They say there is no God. You know, there are people that say that in our world. There is no God. But let's look at Isaiah 44, verse 6. It says... This is what the Lord says, Israel's king and redeemer. There it is again, that he's a redeemer. He makes things right. The Almighty, the Lord Almighty. I am the first. I am the last. Apart from me, there is no God. He's declaring who he is and who he wants to be for you and me. He wants to be our redeemer. He's our almighty Lord. He's the beginning. He's the end. And apart from me, there's no God. God says, I am the one true God. I am the one true God. All right, I'm going to give you another passage. They say you're not smart enough to do this job or you're not as good as this person or, you know, rely on the news, rely on yourself. But let's look at what the Lord says. And this is found in Isaiah 48, 17. This is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord, you, your God. Who teaches you what is best for you. Who directs you in the way you should go. God tells us he'll direct us in the way we should go. He knows and he teaches us what's best for us. God says, I will give you wisdom. This is number nine. And show you how to walk in situations. 
right there he tells us he's going to give us wisdom and show us the way to go. This isn't Kathleen saying it. It's in the Word. I encourage you to look up each one of these scriptures. And you might even want to underline them or highlight them. They say, number 10, that will never work out. You've lost the fight. Maybe you're feeling defeated about something. Well, Isaiah 49, verse 8 says, and this is talking about the restoration of Israel, says, this is what the Lord says. There it is again. In the time of my favor, I will answer you. In the day of salvation, I will help you. I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people to restore the land and to reassign its desolate inheritance. Right there, it tells us that God's favor, God's favor is upon us and he'll answer us in his salvation. He will, he will come to save us, but he will help us. God's saying, partner with me, I will restore and redeem the difficult things in your life. Aren't those precious promises? Those are just such precious promises. And I love it how he's just like, no, wait a minute. This is what I have to say. And there have been so many times that I know that I've looked at situations and it's easy to have a cast down look or feel defeated or just can't even figure out the next step to take. And yet the Lord is right there. Let's look at Jeremiah 31, verse 16. And it says, This is what the Lord says. Restrain your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears, for your work will be rewarded, declares the Lord. Isn't that sweet? You may be tired, you may be worn out, you may not know how to take the next step. You may even be weeping over your circumstance. But the Lord says, I'm going to reward you. I'm going to reward you because you trusted in me. I'm going to reward you because you turned the situation over to me. And I'm going to bless you. And I'm going to give you an inheritance because you look to me. And because I love you. Oh, sweet people, hang on to God. Let him escort you through whatever season you're walking through. There are things you may have been tempted to give up on. Maybe God hadn't healed a relationship and you've been asking or waiting for years. They're hard things in life. And sometimes it seems like some of that adversity might be never-ending. But God promises he's going to reward you and richly bless you. So never surrender your hope or your God-given power as a child of the King. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the richness of your word, that it shows us the way to walk, that it shows us, um, Lord, how to navigate life. And Father, when we don't know what is next, when we feel like we may be slipping or falling, 
I just pray we would hang on to you. And just like Jehoshaphat said, I know not what to do, but my eyes are on you. So bless each listener, God. Bless them with a fresh revelation of how you see each of our situations. I pray for hope to come and anchor our hearts and minds. And Lord, just let us be a people that seek what you have to say over what anyone or anything else has to say. And reveal truth, Lord, in any area that we haven't seen the truth of what your word says. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey there, it's Kathleen here, and welcome to The Gathering, bringing God into everyday life. Let me encourage you to not just listen, but partner with God and practice what he speaks to you. You can access more information about me, my newspaper articles, upcoming events, contact me, or purchase my book, Thriving Through Seasons of Grief, on my website at www.kathleenmaxwellramby.com. This podcast is now in 28 countries, and people have donated so that you can listen free. Will you consider paying it forward for someone else by giving a one-time or monthly gift? Simply click the button that says become a patron or patronage at the top of the podcast. And don't forget to click the like or follow and you'll be the first to know when new episodes are released. Enjoy the podcast.